What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with a very special segment we are debuting this week. It is called Life After Mackie, and we interviewed former Nevada punter Alex Boy. It was a great interview. Enjoy. We have a very special episode today. We are joined by former Nevada punter Alex Boy. Alex, how's it going? Doing well. How about yourself? Good, good. Uh, now, it's nice to see that Nevada's uh, off to a one-in-one start this year in comparison to last year. Do you still keep in contact with some of the players on this year's team? Oh, yeah. Uh, especially my specialist, Wes, and uh, Wes Farnsworth and Spencer Pettit. We talk every week if not every other week and keep in contact and see how the things are going and some of the other guys too like Asani Rufus and Malik Reed, Corey Rush, a lot of the guys that were there um when I was a senior or junior when they were coming in as freshmen. Some of got some of those guys I was really close with and uh every once in a while I check and see how they're doing. Now this is now the second season you that since you've been on the Wolf Pack. Do you still watch every game? Every chance I get, yeah. Yeah, I watched um Obviously, watched the opening night against um, Portland State. A little nervous to start off the season. The first uh, five or ten minutes, I was like not not too pleased. But I turned it around and uh, watched the Vanderbilt game. Thought they played really hard and um, just kind of got outpowered. And but I'm excited to be up there this weekend and watch them play live at Oregon versus Oregon State. Oh, so you are coming up to Reno to watch them? Yeah, I'm gonna be driving up tomorrow and uh, going out and watching the game Saturday. Oh, nice. Uh, so you, you obviously are from SoCal, right? correct? What made you choose Nevada? Well, originally out of high school, I was supposed to be going to San Diego State and uh, kind of lost contact with the uh, coaches there, especially when I left to Fresno State and took a visit. They didn't like that and uh, committed to Fresno State. And a couple weeks before signing day, they wiped the staff with Pat Hill and brought in Tim DeRuiter, and they uh, took my scholarship away and gave it to someone else. So, kind of won the building blocks and went junior college route and um, did well. Did okay my first season there and just did um, a lot of kicking camps. And then going into my second year of college, it was my second year at Long Beach City, I decided I want to leave. And I was deciding between Indiana, Washington, and uh, Nevada. And when I took my visit to Nevada, I just loved it, and I was like, this is where I'm going to go. Now, that must have been tough having to – just two weeks be- or a couple weeks before signing bonus, having your scholarship uh, wiped away. Like, what was going through your head at that time? Uh, just a lot of disappointment because I knew I put in a lot of hard work to uh, earn the scholarship there, and I really liked the special teams coordinator. Um, it was Coach Baxter is at USC right now. and thought we had a really cool connection, and uh, just I liked his personality, so I was really bummed about that. But I just decided, you know, this happened. This happened for a reason. I just decided to move on and work even harder. Since you were at Nevada, you racked up a lot of awards and moved up a lot of lists when it comes to statistics. What was your favorite moment at Nevada as a player? Um, obviously, winning the Cannonback. Um, my first look, my retro year, we lost, and um, going down into Vegas, winning it, and then winning again my senior year. Um, but for a punting wise, or um, 
any play particular that I was involved in, then uh, um, probably against Utah State my senior year on senior day. We were down uh, 13 with about six and a half minutes left, and we are kind of – it was a windy day. Coach Noodleberg, especially and Coach and I, were kind of mulling over what we should do for uh, our punting situation. And uh, I just told him I have a good feeling if we just bomb one right now that we might be able to pin him to get the ball back. And then ultimately – it was Andrew Rodriguez for Utah State fumbled the ball, and Elijah Mitchell was able to fall on it, and we scored a touchdown on the play. Would you consider that your greatest punt of your collegiate career? Uh, I would say it was one of my luckier punts in my collegiate career, yeah. Now, what's the longest punt you've you've ever kicked? Um, in practice, I had a few 70-plus. Um, I know when we played Notre Dame, I had a 68-yarder in the air. And then the week before that, my senior year, we played Cal Poly. It was 71, but it rolled about 20. So on the stat sheet, it looked really good, but you saw it live. It was a good average punt at best. In your senior year, you accepted uh, an invitation to play in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. What was it like uh, getting to practice and play against some of the nation's best players? Oh, it was an awesome experience, especially since we didn't get a little bowl game my senior year. And it just kind of felt like a bowl game, just all the preparation and doing all the fun events and talking to, especially talking to the, all the, call, or the NFL coaches and talking with different um, recruiters, different scouts, and um, just being able to interact with all the fans and meet all these, you know, talented guys that went on to have having successful careers in the NFL, like Tariq Cohen for the Chicago Bears. He was on my team, and I watched him practice. I was like, this guy is going to be really good. Any of anyone else on your team uh, from that bowl have c- big NFL careers so far? I know it's only been a couple years. Um, I know Johnny Smith. I believe I believe Johnny Smith was on my team. I may be made a mistake in that. Um, there were so many guys there. Um, Rigoberto Sanchez. He's the starting punter for the Colts. He was the kicker on our team. Um, it's kind of it was just a, it was a fast week. Everything there was so much stuff going on that is, I wish I was able to interact more with the players. But you went from practice to meeting with scouts to watching your film, which as a specialist we didn't really do much. We went and played pool for the most part. Um, but that week just went by so fast that you weren't able to take in as much as you wish you, you could have. During the senior year, as you allotted to earlier, you mentioned uh, traveling to Notre Dame. Was there ever a stadium where you walked in during like uh, walkthroughs and, and you realized, wow, this is a big stadium? Um, yeah, especially Notre Dame. Um, just the history behind Notre Dame. I was a really amazing experience. But the, the stadium that blew me away the most was Texas A&M just how large of a cathedral it was and how loud it was pregame and during the game and how they had all their tradition. and The grass on the field was the best grass I've ever stepped on, golf course or not, football field or not. And um, Texas A&M, hands down, was the best field I ever played at. That, that's some high praise uh, in comparison to golf courses and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So – your last year was, was also Brian Pullian's last year. Now, what made Brian Pullian such a good coach? He really cared about the players. And, um, you know, we didn't win very much, unfortunately, when he was 
our head coach, but he really cared about our grades and what, how we turned into his men. And, you know, fortunately, those who follow the, the team, they don't see the men that we turn out to be and the grades that we turn out. They just see if we win or lose on the field. So that's the unfortunate part of being a head coach because ultimately, yes, your job's on the line of whether you win or you lose. But in reality, you're trying to turn these young boys into men in four to five years as fast as you can so they have a successful, you know, not only a successful college career, hopefully NFL career, but just a successful life in general once you're done playing. Now, after pulling, we all know Jay Norvell took over as head coach. Did you ever get to? Ch- did you ever speak to Coach Norvell uh, before he graduated, or even after? Uh, not after I graduated, but I drove down to watch them play um, San Diego State last year, and I kind of talked with him a little bit. And um, I talked to him when I went went up to my pro day, and he seems like a, a good head coach. I'm excited for the future for the guys. I think, you know, we kind of were down a little bit last year, but head coaching first in the first year, you know, they're not always going to take over and run with the reins. Sometimes you, you go through a little digression there before you start going forward. And I think this year they'll be back to where we should be. Now, Coach Norvell implemented a new thing or a thing called Wolfpack Walk where they all, they obviously have uh, Wolfpack alumni. Were you invited to be a part of that when, for the San Diego State game? Uh, no, because I was at well. Uh, well, I was invited um, by Zach Madonic and um, Madonic, and um, I was working Friday, and I told him I wouldn't be able to go. But if I was able to, I would have been there for sure. So you graduated University of Nevada with a kinesiology degree. So what have you? What is like? What have you been up to since punting? Um. Well, kind of bounced around the NFL for a little bit. I uh, went to the Titans and then got a few other workouts. And then ultimately, just body wasn't feeling it anymore. Mind wasn't in it anymore. And just kind of decided that I had a good career in college and wanted to move on to other things. And kinesiology um, degree, I knew I had to go for more schooling. And I just I wasn't in the – I didn't really want to go back to school anymore. And um, I started learning instrumentation as um, in the oil refinery. And right now, I'm a contractor, and um, pretty soon I'm going to be hiring full-time at the uh, Marathon Oil Refinery in Carson, California. That's what my grandfather did and my father did, so kind of following their footsteps a little bit. So you're using nothing of what you learned in as in kinesiology, correct? <laughs> Working in uh, oil? Yeah, nothing, yeah, with oil. I mean, from my own lifestyle, when I work out and trying to help other people um, – you know, if they're hurt, like, I can kind of give them some uh, advice. And on Sundays, we, um, I go down, and the guys I train with as a, you know, growing up as a kid, I go back. I'm one of the punting instructors, and some guys, um, they tweak something. They can come to me or come to the other punter because he has a kinesiology major as well. And we're able to help them out and teach them uh, proper lifting techniques and what they need to do to get stronger and get to where we are at. So what's what's – Talk a little bit about the person you are. So you are from uh, Long Beach, California. And if you look on your Twitter page, you retweet a lot of Red Sox stuff. How did you become a Red Sox fan in Southern California? Well, playing, like, I grew up playing baseball and soccer. And then ultimately football was my third sport. And um, growing up playing baseball, I never had a favorite team. You know, Angels were close. They're about 20 minutes away in the uh, Anaheim and the Dodgers about 45 minutes in LA 
And um, I just didn't really like those two teams. I like going to games. But Chipper Jones is always my favorite player growing up. And my mom wanted to, it's like a cool you know, family tradition, she wanted to see every every baseball stadium. So we, uh, one year I was about seven or eight years old, we flew out to New York and went to New York Yankees game and New York Mets game. And then ultimately went to Boston and saw a Red Sox-Angels game because he's an Angels fan. And um, just fell in love with the atmosphere there and just started following him since, um, since 2002. You know, before they collapsed in 2003 versus the Yankees, and then ultimately won in 2004. So, just that atmosphere is like no other. So, have you been to all all the MLB stadiums? Uh, I'm about halfway there. I think I'm about 14 shy of hitting every single stadium. Now, which one's your favorite, other than Fenway? Because I'm guessing that was a Homer answer. That was that was going to be a Homer answer. Other than Fenway, yeah, that's my favorite. Um, I really want to go to the to see the Braves game. I want to go to Turner Field. Oh, is it still Turner Field? No, I think they moved. I think I think they moved into a new ballpark. Yeah, um, I always wanted to go there. I always wanted to go to Camden Yard. Um, but my second favorite had to have been the Colorado Rocky Stadium. That was a pretty cool experience there too. Uh, did you make any progress this baseball season to see any new stadiums? Uh, no, not this year. Just kind of busy with life and haven't been able to get out too much. Probably next year I'll be able to, once I get in full time with my new job, I'll be able to travel a little bit more with our work schedule. We only work four days a week instead of five. So, so speaking of other SoCal sports, do you follow, do you still, do you follow all the other SoCal sports like, uh, like in hockey, uh, basketball, football and whatnot? Oh, yeah, I'm a big uh, Anaheim Ducks fan, and I actually just bought season tickets for the Pandemia, and it was really sad when I saw the San Jose Sarks just signed uh, or traded for Eric Carlson, so I know the Knights, how good they were last year, how good the uh, Kings are, how good the Sharks are, the Pacific's going to be really tough division this year for those four teams. But do you do you have, like, a basketball team or a football team? In SoCal, or uh, no, not really? No, well, my family's from Wisconsin, so we're all Packer fans. And um, that's another amazing state in Lambeau. Um, but no, other than that, the only SoCal team I follow is hockey for the Anaheim Ducks. So you must have been happy when they won their first ever Stanley Cup in, what was it, 07? Yeah, uh, I was actually, I went to private school, and uh, at the end of the year, we... Um, in uh, seventh grade, we were um, in Catalina, and I was texting my mom updates because we didn't have TVs out there. I was like, what's going on now? What's going on? And she's like, they won. And I remember just getting so happy. And I was like, what are, you, what are you happy about? I'm like, the Ducks won. They're like, who? I'm like, okay, you guys must not fall hockey. So then 2007 must have been a great year for you as a sports fan with the Red Sox oh, yeah. and the Ducks. Yeah, the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox and the Ducks. So you bought season tickets to the Ducks, but where are your seats? Like, are they close to the ice? Uh, they're they're on the, the top deck, but they're the first row, so they're not bad viewing. They're a little high up, but you're able to see the whole arena, the whole everywhere on the ice. Uh, my dad's boss actually he has season tickets, but they're so close to the glass and they're kind of cornered off, you can't see everywhere. And I was looking at buying tickets in that area, and it's just. I wanted to be able to see all the ice and for the price that where the tickets were and first where I would have been sitting in the other seats, it, just, it was more worth it to 
spend less money for a better view, actually, even though I was further up. Okay. So I, as a Kings fan, it, it's obviously – I've been to Honda Center. I've been to Staples. And, yeah, you're right. It does – getting – being close is nice, but for a hockey game, you pref- there's certain times you prefer being up so you can see the whole action. Yeah, unless you're sitting behind – unless you're sitting right behind the net in your first row, then you don't mind sitting right there in the glass. Yeah, that that is very nice, and I've I've been lucky enough to have sat in those seats before for a Kings game, and it's 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 great because you see everything happen. Like you you see like you you can look to your left, and you just see like uh, players just get checked into the boards, and it's it's a really cool sight. Oh yeah, and the best thing about hockey too is unlike football, you know, there's the play, and then there's downtime with hockey. There's always just something going on, and there's always something to watch. Now being when you were at school, did you notice that there was like uh, a big hockey community in Reno? Because as of this past year, hockey seems to be like a big sport in at the UNR campus. No, not when I was there. I, I would see people wear, you know, their shark sweaters every once in a while. Once you know, with October rolled around and the season started up, but not really much, honestly. Yeah, because this this year we had a uh, very high influ- uh, bandwagon influence of the Knights, and as a Kings fan it, and other like fans uh, and a fan of a team that's struggled for so long and then finally having success, it's quite it's annoying to see the Knights have success in their first year. Oh yeah, I was rooting against them the entire playoffs, and especially when the Capitals. I, I'm a Alex Alexander Ovechkin fan over Crosby, and seeing him win his first over the Knights, I was a uh, I was a little happy to say the least. Yeah, and it's just I I wonder how how long do you think it will take? When do you think the Knights will like fall off? Uh, I don't think they will honestly. Now that they just got Max Pacioretty and they're such a good versatile team that they don't have a lot of superstars, which is necessarily not a bad thing or a good thing. But they just have a lot of good role guys. And they just do. They're kind of like the Patriots in a sense that they don't have anyone that just like shows on paper like this is the guy besides maybe will uh, william carlson which kind of sucks because the ducks let him go uh, in, in your comparison to the patriots the patriots have tom brady and rob gronkowski yeah but then if you go other than that julian edelman was a quarterback in college and he, his first snap in the nfl was a, a, a cornerback and then moved to wide receiver so there's just a lot of guys that you can put in those roles and everyone was a good veteran player that came in there was no like being able to have the lottery pick or being able to choose everyone a player on each team. Like when I saw when they took Shea Theodore from the Ducks, I'm like, they just got a steal. And when they got um, Andre Fleury, that, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer. Well, yeah. A lot of success already. It's, it's always great when an expansion team can grab a goalie who's won three Stanley Cups. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm one of those people who, who has to argue against Knight fans saying how the expansion draft changed from the last time there was an expansion draft. Oh, yeah. Well, when the, I mean, I remember when the Ducks, well, it was before my time, obviously. But when the Ducks had their expansion draft, it was just no near, nowhere near as successful as the Knights have been. And I think they'll tone it down if they do decide to add a – I think they're still talking about trying to add a team out in Seattle. And I think Seattle would be a good team because you look at the Rapids, you look at their fan base with the Seahawks, uh, their soccer club, and what they had when when uh, the Sonics were there. I think, I think basketball and hockey would be a great uh, great addition to Seattle. 
Oh yeah, especially with the Seahawks fans, they they travel well for that. And this, if you love a sport and people who don't like hockey, I tell them that watch hockey one time, or I take them to a game. They're like, I love like I took Ian Seau because he's from Oceanside and he drove up for a Ducks game. He goes, I want to go to another game. You just kind of fall in love with it, and hockey's just especially if you play football and you love football, it's almost the same thing. You get to see people hit each other. You get to see people score. You get to see people celebrate. Now, what was your, now, what was your favorite memory going to an actual hockey game? Like, was there any, like, moments that stood out to you, like any specific games? I mean, I've been to so many. But the, probably the one that the most to me was um, this past year when Andrew Cogliano uh, had his Iron Man streak taken away from him for a questionable hit on the um, the Kings. I forgot someone on the Kings was uh, one of your guys' forwards, I believe. Here's your, your right winger, um, but he got a two game suspension, and then going to the game two games later is when he came back from suspension and just seeing everyone celebrate that he was able to accomplish such a great feat of 800 plus games straight played, and everyone knows as a hockey fan, 800 games in a row is a crucial thing. Yeah, it is. So, growing up, were you just, like, a Ducks fan? Because, you, you obviously, Anaheim is closer to Long Beach than the actual downtown L.A. Just be able yeah, to go uh, to more games? Well, my mom was, uh, you know, obviously back in the day, the Ducks have only been around for about 25 years. And my mom was a Kings fan. And back in the day when, you know, they had all those great guys that they never ended up doing anything with until recently. But she took me to a game when I was – uh, maybe about five, I think it's my fifth birthday, and just kind of fell in love with the sport just at a young age and just followed it since. Hey, as a Kings fan, I'll take two and three years, especially if, if you look at the way the Kings won in uh, tw- in 12, being an eight seed, being the one seed, going through one, two, and three in the West, and then in 14, having to play the most games ever in a Stanley Cup, play- Stanley Cup playoff run, coming back 3-0 against the Sharks. Yeah, yeah, especially the three, the three zero. I remember there. I thought they were dead ducks in the water, and so like when the Red Sox, all it takes is when they were down three zero to the Yankees. All just don't let them win the game number four, because all it does is give them life for game five. And if they win game five, now you're sitting on your heels a little bit. And as a fan, as and as a fan of a team that's come back from three zero, it's like when when you see a team get down, it's like you can never count this team up. This team knows what they're doing. They've been in situations like this, and it's. It's kind of enlightening, like, like when like the Kings were down three zero, like, or when they eventually got swept by the Knights. It's like, oh, the Kings just the Kings. If they get this game, they'll come back. They'll come back, and they never did. But yeah. it still it still gives hope to fans. Yeah, well, when the, the Ducks got swept by the Stars, the same thing. I went to Game Two, and it was just the Game One was just so bad at Game Two that like if they didn't win this. It was going to be a tough series because obviously now you got to go to San Jose for another two. But they played so hard, and you just can't can't your team out no matter how mad you are at them. So, what are your predictions this year for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and who who ends up uh, hoisting uh, Lord Stanley's cup? Uh, I think it's going to be someone in the Pacific, honestly. And I hate to say it, but the way the Sharks are starting to build their team, they're making the push to that. Uh, this is their season now by adding Carlson, and they already kind of had a pretty good lineup with before they even had Evander Kane. But I don't know. I kind of like Tampa. I kind of like the Bruins. There's a lot of good teams. You can make a case for a lot of teams. 
But you mentioned two teams that have that haven't had uh, that always seem to fail in the playoffs. Like Tampa was the President's Cup trophy team last year. Last year was supposed to be their year, and then San Jose has just not had like doesn't have the best of luck in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it has to change eventually because how many times has the Capitals won the Stanley Cup or the uh, President's Cup in the last couple of years and they finally pulled it through? So that's true. Every every year is a new year. That's true, but but the Capitals also have arguably the best player in hockey, right now. Yeah, they did. They um, the the goalie play was a little questionable going in when they went down 0-2 to Columbus, and they just kind of went on a run. So, and that's the thing, like like you said, when um, the Kings were an eight seed, and kind of remind me of the Packers when the when they won the when they won their Super Bowl, they were eight and six, and they had to win their last two games just to even get into the playoffs and. Sometimes those teams that don't seem like they're going to make it just kind of catch a hot streak, and then they don't care. Because once you get in, seedings don't matter. You still got to play the game. So That's true, yeah. Now, uh, yeah, you mentioned the Packers team, and it's like the Packers also had one of the best defenses that year, with Char- led by Charles Woodson, future Hall of Famer, and then Aaron Rodgers just was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the only thing that's kind of hurt them since is, there's just been no run game, and after they won the Super Bowl, they're starting free safety. Nick Collins had his career-ending uh, neck injury, and him and uh, him and Charles Woodson, um, you know, those, those guys were kind of the, the glue to our defense. And once Woodson kind of got out of his prime, just everyone started to fall apart on defense. And your quarterback can't make all your plays for you, especially in football. You got to have a well-rounded all three phases of the game. So I think that year they ended up after they won the Super Bowl. I think they went fifteen and one with a thirty-first ranked defense. And that's one thing I think the Packers haven't really had since their Super Bowl run was a good defense. And so, and that and it hurts them in the playoffs when you can't be able to stop high-power offenses. Like the last time they made the playoffs when they had to face the Falcons. Oh yeah, yeah. It's that. That's the thing too. They've always had, obviously, they're always one of the better offenses in the NFL. But they just play their defense as a hot knife going through butter sometimes watching. The, well, if you watch Sunday Night Football, the first two series of the Bears, I'm like, this is not happening right now. This can't be serious. Just how easily they went down the field. And I thought oh, the defense is going to be back to where they were. Now, are you concerned for Aaron Rodgers' leg injury or whatever he whatever happened to him? Uh, they said it's an MCL screen. So normally I think that's like a two to four week process of doing nothing, but I've seen him tear the muscle in his calf and still play. And for him, it's like, if if something isn't broken, he's going to play. If something isn't sufficiently torn that it's going to like affect his career in the future, he's going to play. And I mean, we kind of saw it Sunday night, just, the way he came back out, he wasn't putting so much too much pressure on his front leg, his front knee, but he was still able to use his magic arm and put the ball wherever he wanted it to. Now, now, do you think he still plays this week against Minnesota and their tough defense, which has a history of getting after quarterbacks? Uh, I think so. It's going to be a big game, especially if if they can win the, this game on Sunday. I think it's going to be a close game, whether he's healthy or not. Um, just how good that defense is and with Cousins now they have a not that Case Keenum wasn't a good quarterback last year for him I thought he did an excellent job he was more of a play manager than anything he just was told what to do but with Cousins you actually have a 
a threat of an arm, and that offense is pretty potent, and the defense is really good. I know Asani Rufus is happy because we used to talk smack a little bit when I was there because I'm a Packers fan. He's a he's a Vikings fan, but I think it'll be a close game. I think it's in it's in Minnesota, I believe, right? I believe so. Yes. I think the Vikings will come out on top, but I think it'll be a close. I think it'll be uh, like a game-winning field goal or a game-winning drive for them. Okay, so uh, one one final seg- uh, segue. Uh, so the way we got connected was over Twitter, and if you don't know, I we we met, we recommended you check out our podcast. Now, what other podcasts besides Pack Center do you like listen to? I listen to a lot of the barstool stuff. Um, like Pat McAfee show now that he's not with Barstool anymore and he has his own podcast. I listen to that. I think he comes out every Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, I listen to the Section 10 podcast, which is about the Red Sox. Um, the Starting Nine, which is about all baseball. And then just a couple other of the, uh, like, Part of My Take by Barstools and just a couple of those, you know, stupid, funny shows that I just get a kick out of. So it's safe to say you're a stoolie? Oh, I'm a stoolie for life. I have a bunch of barstool stuff at home. So when listening to Pat McAfee, do you relate to a lot of what he says when he talks about punting? Oh, yeah. I try to model my game after him a little bit. Obviously, he had a little bit better of a leg than I did. But uh, I try to not – the way he acted on the field kind of wasn't my thing. You know, like not that it was a bad – like he liked to celebrate a little bit and show off. I didn't like to do that too much. I did it on the sidelines a little bit, but I was always uh, just do your job and get out and then go sit on the sideline, take your helmet off, put your hat on, grab some Gatorade. So one last thing before we go, what is your prediction for this for this Saturday's game against Oregon State? I think it'll be a high-scoring game. Um, I think Oregon State put up a good amount of points on uh, Southern Utah last week, I believe, and the week before that, they got smacked around by Ohio State, but I think they're kind of a program that's going to turn around a little bit. Same with Nevada. I can see it being like a 35-31 game, Nevada's favor. 35-31, that's a high-scoring game. It doesn't quite hit the over, but it should be an exciting. Uh, make sure to check out the game on, it's on ESPNU this week. Alex, thank you for joining me today. Oh, Thank you. Have a good one.